this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the Welcome to the Kingdom Voice broadcast with Dr. Dana Carson. Today's message is coming from the powerful series, Kingdom Builders. In today's message, Dr. Carson teaches us why God saves us in the message entitled, Kingdom Stirring, coming from Haggai chapter 1, verses 4 through 14. Now, the book of Haggai is a very, very powerful book, uh, and it tells the story uh, about how God raised up the prophet Haggai who prophesied after the Babylonian exile after the southern uh, kingdom had gone into exile because of their disobedience because when they were disobedient God then caused the, a other nation to rise up and to dominate them and bring them to a place of humility so that they could then recognize that they were where they were because of their behavior. Uh, what some people don't realize is that the outcomes of our lives are sometimes the hieroglyphics of God that are trying to send an encoded message to you and I that sums off. And unfortunately, every off situation we experience, we say it's the devil. And I want you to understand every situation you're in is not the devil. And that's what the book of Haggai shows us because what we would normally say is the devil. God personally wants to let you know he did it. <laughs> now, it's critical that uh, when we look at this, we, we talked about how important it is to establish last week a house of God. And uh, we talked about how uh, important it is for a family to have a house. And we wouldn't dare think that it was uh, unimportant for a couple, a family, not to have an inhabitation. And thus, it is important for God's family to have an inhabitation. And God established these uh, principles himself. First, when he talked about uh, the gathering place of the people of God being the tabernacle. The tabernacle was God's idea. Then the second was the evolution of the tabernacle to the temple. And then upon the destruction of the temple, then it became the synagogue and then the temple. So uh, then from the synagogue, when we find the emergence of Christianity or the kingdom movement after Christ, not only <clears throat> does it move from the uh, temple synagogue, it moves to the house. And then with the formulation uh, of uh, the formal aspect of Christianity in the fourth century under Constantine the Great after persecution, uh, uh, after 311 A.D., the Edict of Toleration or Milan, uh, uh, the cessation of 
Christian persecution, then they started building what we uh, what was considered then formal churches, uh, which were called basilicas. And so, there's never been a time in history that God's people have not had a place to gather. And so all of this stuff, like you heard on George's show, uh, God talking about he doesn't believe in a, a building. And the, the church is just uh, the people. Well, uh, uh, Paul argues in 1 Timothy 3 that the church uh, is, a, is a physical location, and he calls it the pillar of truth. And then he says that people need to know how to behave when they go into the house of God which is the church, which is the pillar of truth. So it's not talking about you need to know how to behave when you go into yourself, for yourself is the pillar of truth. Are you with me? Now, one of the reasons people don't want to believe in the concept of church as a physical uh, organization is because everyone knows that Whenever we're talking about anything that is of a physical nature, uh, one key word always comes up. Whether it's your physical body, whether it's a physical car, a physical house, no, it, even your physical clothes, the word sustainability comes up. Like, for instance, if you don't take care of your clothes, you won't be wearing them long. Come on, somebody. Now, sustainability is always associated with physical objects. You can't have anything physical and there is not the, uh, the sense of sustainability. Uh, even when you are working towards uh, a physical course in college, sustainability becomes an issue. How do you sustain the habits that produce that physical A or B. Sustainability. Now, a lot of people don't like to believe in the concept of church because it's physical. And when you talk about physical, then you talk about sustainability. And when you talk about sustainability, then you want to know who's responsible for, for sustainability. Now, when it comes to your clothes, when you are a child, you don't know how to wash, you don't know how to iron, so your parents are responsible for sustainability. And they're also responsible for replenishing. And that right there lets them know they're responsible for sustainability. Now, but when you get to be a certain age, you have to wash your own clothes. Are you with me? Why go by uh, a polo shirt or something that's real nice and then wash, wash it uh, or don't wash it or put it in the sink with the dishes and get the dirt out of it and so forth? You just don't care. Why spend money on something and you're not going to care for. That's what, I, you know, that's what I don't understand by a lot of minorities. Why go get a Mercedes Benz and then treat it like a Chevy? Why go get a BMW and then treat it like it's a farm tractor? Y'all don't like me now. You won't style, but you won't consider, you won't consider sustainability. Now, just want to look good. Now, sustainability is extremely important. 
And this text is about sustainability. It's about double sustainability. It's about sustainability of your house and God's house. That's what the text is talking about. Double sustainability. Now, think about it. You've been in exile. You've been in bondage under the dominion and control of another. You've not had the freedom to do and to have whatever it is that you would like to do and have. And then finally, you get free. And when you're free, now you can do the things you already always wanted to do. Then what do you do? That's what this text is about. These people were in exile, the people of God. They were freed from Babylonian exile. And when they were granted their freedom by the prophecy of God, by the permission of God, by the providence of God, rather than going to establish and sustain the house of God, each one ran to their own home. Now, now what you understand, they ran to their own home, those who were not a people, and God made them a people. There were no such thing as a Jew. Today we look at Jew, Jews uh, as an ethnic group, but the root of Jews is not an ethnic group, it's a religion. It was a covenanted people that God covenanted with, and he made a Sinai covenant with them, uh, with Moses, and, he, and it was predicated upon an Abrahamic covenant uh, of the things to come. So they were a covenant people. God then delivered them out of 400 and some odd years of oppression in Egypt where Pharaoh and his heavy hand kept them in bondage and oppression. But then God, by his power, his magnificent power, through ten signs, ten plagues, he delivers them out of bondage, walks them through a sea, opens it up that they may, draw, that they may walk on dry land, closes it up, when uh, Pharaoh's army gets in it after them, brings them to the other side, makes them a promise of geography called the promised land, then ultimately brings them into the promised land, then establishes them as the greatest kingdom on earth of the King David. And then Solomon takes it to the next level. And they compromise the ways of God. And the kingdom is divided under Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And now they dissipate. They split northern, southern. The northern kingdom goes into exile by, time, by 722 B.C., Assyrian exile. 586 B.C., the southern kingdom goes into exile, Babylonian exile. Now, they're in bondage because they couldn't appreciate deliverance. Okay, okay. Didn't know how to handle freedom. Didn't know how to be responsible with free will. So now, they're released 
out of Babylonian bondage. And God says, now go and restore what you neglected that got you in bondage in the first place. And they said, we will after we build our families. You don't understand, Dr. Carson. I've been unemployed for six months now. You don't understand. I've been unemployed for a year. I've been in bondage uh, economically. I've been wanting things, needing things. My kids been needing things. I've been needing things. You don't understand. Now I got a paycheck coming in. It's time for me to take care of my house. So, we see then in this text the people deprioritized God's house and prioritized their house. Now, I believe that we have, I'm just going to call them, and, and, and they're not after the spirit of Haggai, but I'm just going to call them some Haggites. And then I understand it's not literal, but I believe that we have some Haggites in here. Some people that believe that their number one priority is their families and their homes, and God's work is secondary to that. And will say it with great confidence as though God authenticated it. As though God endorses it. Now, God raises up the prophet Haggai. The people are in a compromising position. Now, I want you to understand something about this text. This text is not talking about fornication, adultery, homosexuality, lying. It's not talking about any of those moral sins that we free ourselves from when we avoid them and say we're right with God because I don't do these things. This text doesn't talk about any of that. So good for you, you're not a violator of those things. But this text talks about a violation of sustainability. Are you prioritizing what God has brought in your life as a resource to first build God's house? Now, tell me this. Which do you think is important? That in the time of crisis, God's house is standing or yours? I'm going to ask it to you again. In the time of crisis, would you rather have God's house to go to or yours? Now, I tell you, if something went down that was of, 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 of a crisis nature, uh, I want to be in here and I want to be with God's people. And you ought to want to hear from God's man. What is the Lord saying? Not simply what CNN is saying. So whose house is really the most important? Yours or God's? And here's the problem. When you don't take care of God's, they're going to come get yours. 
then when they come get yours, where you going to run? Thus then, the people of God have become extremely misfocused. And in verse 14, the Bible says that through the words of the prophet Haggai, the spirit of Zerubbabel is stirred up. The people are stirred up, which meant the Holy Spirit stirred their spirit up, which meant he stirred them up or moved them to proper behavior. How many of you know we need a stirring of the Spirit of God today? How many of you know that we need a stirring? We need a revival of the Spirit. We need to get back to the practices and the principles of God. We cannot mirror the actions of the world. We cannot take on their thoughts. They're scattered. They are unspiritual. They're carnal. Young lady sat on the Georgia show. Everybody needs to go to the pastor. Needs to go get a job. Like this ain't no job. Managing all this ain't no job. You work at Burger King and that's a job. But managing something of this magnitude is not a job. It's a job, it's a job that very few would qualify for. Now watch this. So, we need a stirring of the spirit. Now what about, in verse 14 it talks about the stirring of the spirit from the Holy Spirit side of things. But what caused there to be a stirring of the spirit from the human side of things? Pastor, give me my Bible from up there, please. What, what, what was it? First is, let me, I want to just, hold that for me, Pastor. I want to just go through these scriptures. I, and now and then I got to put that new cart down. Amen. And, and look here. Let's look at Haggai. Because I want to see, I want you to see what the stirring of the spirit, what it involved. Verse, four, verse 3 says this, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses while this temple lies in ruin? Now, the first thing that it takes for a stirring of the Spirit is for you to realize the time for you to take care of God's house is right now. Okay, look to your neighbor and say, right now. You don't think about God's house. You cannot think about God's house after you've taken, after you've thought about your house. Now, I want you to understand, it's a principle. When you think about your house, before you think about God's house, even if you pray, I want you to know the favor of God is not on your house. Okay, I'm, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you this. you got to learn if you're going to go to church, respect the Bible. Okay, that, that only makes sense. Now watch this. Verse 4. 
Is it time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses? Which means you've built a roof over your head. And this temple lies in ruin. Is it time for you to make sure you're taken care of first, then God? Since it's double sustainability. Here's the question. He's asking, who should you sustain first? You are the thing, or you are the house of God. Now, you know good and well what the number one 21st century answer to that would be. Sustain yourself first. Come on, somebody needs to say amen. amen. And I looked at the person next to you and said, don't be acting like you don't know what they're talking about with your non-tithing behind. <laughs> non-tithing behind, talking about, yeah, yeah. I tied sometime, no such thing. Listen, can't tie sometime. Tithing is not a sometime thing. Now listen to this. You are a sometime in person, but tithing is not a sometime thing. Look at verse 5. Now therefore, listen to this. Now therefore, so timing is the first thing that stirs you, that you have to consider timing. God wants it first. Like, you, you violate, and y'all going to give me a little time this morning. You violate the principles of God's kingdom every time you get a check and you write your rent first. You violate, you may call it a, 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 a small thing. You violate the principles of God whenever you get a check and the first thing that you do is write your mortgage. Oh, Dr. Carson, what are you saying? That's what I'm saying. Soon as you got the check, what did you do? You ran to your own house. This is the principle. I'm trying to make it 21st century for you. Now, what happens with that kind of stuff? I can tell you what happens. You run out of money after you finish going through your line. After you start going out of your line budget items and you get to the end, it ain't no money for God. And you come to church and ask for God to pray for you. And then if the preacher say you ought to give, then you look for a new church. Because all the church talk about is money. It wouldn't bother you if you had already set God's money behind you and said, Amen. Because God was put on the bottom, you like a, I feel, you know, he's a good preacher, and but you know, it's something about that place. I just don't feel comfortable. You know, it seems like that's all they're about is money. What you about when you get your check? Okay, all right, let me move on. It's getting a little too quiet. Folk are acting like, Y'all acting like I'm preaching from the Quran or something. All right. Okay, so. So. Let's go back to the book and let it talk directly to you. I tried to bridge the build. The, I tried to be a bridge builder for you. But now. Try, but now let's look at it. So now therefore thus says who? The Lord, the Lord of hosts. 
Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of an army. So it says, thus says the Lord of an army. Jehovah or Yahweh Sabaoth, that's what it is. So the Lord of an army said this to you. Consider your ways. Or consider what you've set your heart on. Consider your passionate patterns. Consider what you prioritize. Consider your behavior. Watch this. Now, listen. Here's a problem. You have had three relationships. Three different men or three different women. And all three of them, male or female, they end up being battering relationships. So this is the third man you didn't had to beat you down. Or this is the third woman you've had that beat you down. As quiet as it's kept, you have almost as many battered men as you have battered women. But what brother going to be talking about? I want to check myself in. She beat me up again. I mean, you know, my brother's not going to do that. Y'all hurry up, come in. She coming in. She coming in now. I feel like cock coming up. She told me, please now, what, what, please come on in. Now listen, now, what brother going to get on? You know, brother just let her come in, take that beat down, go to the room. <laughs> you know, so now, but now, if you've had three beat-down relationships in a row, in a row or maybe you skip one, <laughs> but you got out of that one and got back in the other one because that one wasn't abusive to you enough. So now, at, at some point in time, as you are sitting in the crisis center, the paramedics wiping their blood off you, and you filling out the police report. But this time it ain't John, it's Raph. Not Raph, it's Rudy. It's not Sally, it's Shirley. It's not Shirley, it's Missy. Now, at some point in time, you're going to have to stop looking at the people that beat you down and blaming them and then talking about, you know, you got all these mean, beat down kind of people in the world. At some point in time, you're going to have to ask yourself, why do I always end up with these kind of men or women in my life? That means then that is the hieroglyphic of God trying to paint a portrait on the wall for you to see, but you will not consider your ways. So you keep finding yourself in all these cyclical situations. Time after time, you done lost five houses. You done been evicted seven times. You got 20 children and you don't know the daddies. Uh, at some point in time, you've got to... You got to consider your way.
ways. This is the fifth job you lost in one year. At some point in time, you've got to. Every school you go to, you get suspended. Every school you go to, you make grade, bad grades. At some point in time, you've got to. That's a soil problem. You're sowing on bad soil. Okay. 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 Lord, help me. I want you to know sowing into you before God makes you terrible soil. Anytime you sow into you first, you're going to bring in little. Okay, I'll just show you something. I'm going to work just a little bit here. This the new year. I'm tired of this. I've got to work. Listen, Galatians 6. Just turn there for me. So all of y'all on that color purple stuff. Y'all quote this for color purple. Galatians 6 and 6. Color purpleites. Until you do right by me. Now. Reciprocity is what you're trying to talk about. Listen. Look at Galatians 6 and 6. Let him who is what? Taught the word what? Sharing all good things with him who what? Teaches the word. Now, this is the Bible. When you are blessed financially, based on someone teaching you, you're supposed to come and bless them. That's the Bible. It ain't the world, it's the Bible. Okay, but now watch this. I want to show you this. Do not be deceived, which means don't think this principle doesn't stand. God is not mocked. You can't ridicule God. For whatever a man sows, what? That he shall also reap. Not till you do good by me. Now watch this. He's going to tell you. Now watch this. For if he what? 
Songs to his flesh, what? Of his flesh he will reap corruption. But if he sows to the spirit, of the spirit he will reap everlasting life, right? So all I wanted to show you was that when you sow into yourself, you reap little. So those of you who are living for yourself, you're trying to get ahead. Well, that is not a kingdom principle. Well, how are you supposed to make it? Uh, Matthew 6, turn it there real quick. All you have to do is read the Bible. Stop having all them questions. Go to kingdom education and enroll in KSM or something. Listen, Matthew 6 and 30, right? Are you with me? Okay, so now watch this. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, uh, is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, owe you a little faith? So you say you got to take care of yourself first. Well, when you say that, that's because you don't trust God. You say, if I take care of God's stuff first, who's going to take care of me? Which means God is not to be trusted. He's not a good covenant person. Now watch this. Therefore, do not worry, saying what? What shall we what? Eat, or what shall we what? Drink, or what? What shall we wear? Is that not what this text Haggai is talking about, those three areas? Stick with me now. Stick with me. Stick with me. Don't go to sleep. Don't lose it. Stick with me. Stick with me. Okay. Now watch this. Therefore, do not worry, saying, you, he said, okay, verse 32. For after all these things, what? The Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. Or he, know, he knows you need all these things. But what? Seek first the what? And what? And what? And all these things will be added unto you. It is very clear then that seeking first the kingdom of God has something to do with sustainability principles. Because now why is he going to put up, you know, put out there, eat, drink, and clothe, and then say, God knows you have need of these things and going to give them to you, but seek first the kingdom. That means then he's saying financially take care of the things of God first. Okay, let's go back to Haggai. I got to, I've got to go. I've got to go. So verse 6 says this. You have so much and what? Bring in little. You eat what? But do not have enough. You what? Drink but what? You are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves but what? No one is warm. And why? And he who earns wages. Or let me put it in the 21st century vernacular. He who has a job. Has a job just to put the paycheck in a bag that got a hole in it. Which means your money bag got a hole in it. Now, listen, I think I know you had enough this morning. This has been a rough ride for you. So, here's my question. Eat, drink, clothes. He's talking about the basic necessities of life. Same thing, we, the same three categories of Matthew 6 we just looked at. Now, he said that you never have enough. Like, 
Most of you here today, you have a deficiency somewhere in your house. And that deficiency in your house is telling you you cannot prioritize God. And no matter what I say to you as a high guy of the 21st century, no matter what I say to you, your mind says to you, God doesn't want me to do that. Even though you have a model in scripture that says something totally different, your mind says to you, God wouldn't ask me to do that. Even though you, the Bible clearly shows you that as a principle. Now you say, oh, but that was then. See, you don't know the Bible. Malachi teaches us that God is what? Immutable. Some of you all have said unto me, immutability, which means God does what? He never changes. He's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He does not require anything of them that he would not require of you. So now, but your crisis is unprecedented proportions. Things God never knew could happen financially in one's life. Even God tells me when it's tithing time, take that tithe back to your house. You need it more than my church. It's a principle. Lynette, it's a principle, baby. You don't get around it. I don't care what you do. You ain't going to get ahead. It's impossibility. If you do, it's impossible. If you do get ahead, it's because you're not saved and you get ahead just to go to hell. But as a kingdom person that is headed towards eternity, God's not going to let you get ahead. Okay, let me sit here a second and act like Jesus. Now, come here, elder, pastor, just sit right here. I'm just going to sit right next to me. Uh, come, come here, Tia. Elder, get that basket. Stand right there, Tia. Stand right there. Elder, bring that basket. Put it right there. Sit next to you. Now, right there. Right there. No, not right there. And then sit, uh, put it down, Lord. Oh. And then you are Ezra, man. Listen, over a little bit more. Just a little bit more. <laughs> okay, thank you. Now, sit by now, and be a good little Pharisee. Now, get away from us. You're, not, you're the Pharisee. Now, now, so now, here we are. You want to see the mind of God concerning principles. Here we are at the temple. Now, y'all four, walk by right here from Nikki on. Y'all come on, walk by. And just act like you're dropping something in. I know you ain't dropping nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> so just act like it. Now go behind them, Tia. Now here's Tia. She's a little widow. She put a penny in there. Now, Jesus saw it all. He tells the disciples, did you see that? He said, that little widow, she put more in than all of them because they gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her necessity. 
which meant she gave out of a kingdom principle that whatever I have, I have to first take to build God's house. So she gave the money in that, in that repository to be able to sustain the kingdom. Jesus, who took a whip and beat money changers out of the temple, you know good and well he had the gall to stand and say, Stop, woman, don't put that money in there. These old racketeers. Take your money, go home. He didn't stop her. Why didn't Jesus stop a woman who had a child and no husband and very, very limited income? Why didn't he stop her from putting her last money in that receptor, in that repository? And so I want to I want to ask you this. So why is he, and it ain't even your last, telling you don't put none in? I want to I, I want to understand who voice is this? talking to you you just saying I ain't got that much now here's the issue here this woman gave out a necessity what is necessity sustainability of the temple these other people gave because they were blessed and they want to just be a blessing because God blessed them See, some of you all are blessed givers. When you have a little blessing that's a little over your bills and you got a little extra gravy, then you bless God and feel good about it. But there is no continuum in your life. Listen to this. I got to close this. I got to close this. I got to close. I got to close. I'm getting ready to close this. Let me go. You, you guys can take this scene down. Amen. Listen, so, thank y'all. Y'all real good. You have, you have so much and bring in little. So, listen to what he says. And you earn wages to put them in a bag with hole in it. I want to let you know, you can go to every financial seminar you want to. You can practice every budgetary uh, counsel someone gives you. But when you are under a vow, when you are under a covenant with God, if that covenant is a promise of privilege, it is also a covenant of responsibility. You cannot expect the privilege of eternal life and you do not accept or embrace the responsibility of sustaining the institution that is responsible for helping people get to the kingdom. They're responsible for discipleship. They're disciple. They're responsible for the keys to the kingdom. So I want to challenge you today as kingdom builders to get a stirring in your spirit and consider your ways. Some of y'all ain't been given to spiritual things for years and it still ain't made a difference in your life. You still broke as hell. Because you have not given to God has not made the difference.
experience in your life and don't you dare take that word hell and dismiss everything that I've said up until this point because Jesus said hell, hell, hell more than he said heaven. What did he say? Mm, that vexed me. I ain't vexed you. What vexed you is that you want to re, you want to refuse considering your ways. You want more God this year, but you not you you have you haven't tithed yet. Going on your second check of the year, and you haven't tithed yet. But this year is going to be different in the spirit. Man. I know that's an exciting word, um, <clears throat> but now you just can't leave it there. You got to continue listening. Why don't you order MP3 or MP4 version of that message? But also, you know, I always, when I present series with you, also have complimentary <clears throat> books that complement the series, and you need to order a copy of that of the book kingdom builders you know uh the lord said except the lord build a house they that uh, labor labor in vain and listen god is trying to build not only uh the house of god but he's trying to build your house as well and in this series we're going to have a great time discussing kingdom builders are you a builder well listen this is a wonderful time to start building Right after COVID, a new normal is happening, so it's time now to rebuild. Well, I want you also to pray about helping us build and expand the work of the kingdom by sharing uh, a seed. Um, your seed goes a long way in helping us to reach the globe with the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm going to be praying that as you sow, that the Lord will bless your life immensely. The Bible says, whatsoever man sow, that shall he also reap. If you have a need in your life, sow a seed. <clears throat> Wherever there is a need, sow a seed. And watch God uh, bring and present a harvest in your life. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the kingdom builders that are listening to my voice. God, I pray now that you would raise them up and bless their lives more than they could ever realize as they help build and expand the kingdom of God uh, here uh, through the work of the gospel. Now, Father, I pray that they would sow seeds that would support the work. And as they sow seed, that God, you would bless them because you said in your word, you provide seed to the sower. And so God, I pray now that you would bless them based upon the seed that they sow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. And we're gonna have a great time all this week discussing kingdom buildings. Until next time, shalom. God bless.
The Kingdom Theological Seminary offers a quality yet affordable theological education for those seeking to increase their kingdom biblical knowledge. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the only seminary of its kind that provides biblical training with a kingdom of God emphasis based on the original context of Jesus, void of the effects of the Romanization, Europeanization, colonization, westernization, and Americanization of the gospel. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is what we consider a disruptive seminary that takes a holistic approach to theological training. KTS is designed to prepare students for actual hands-on instruction that is customized to each learner's need. Oftentimes, when students complete the traditional model of seminary, they are unable to use 85% of the things that they learned in actual ministry. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is designed to prepare the learner for 21st century ministry that is based on your interests and ministry areas of focus. KTS allows you to customize your education to fit your individual ministry needs. You can choose the certification modules or individual classes that can be applied toward your degree. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is truly disruptive. We don't force a set of unusable courses on you and waste your time and money. Instead, each student is able to put together their own cluster of certifications that best fit their ministry needs. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the seminary of the future and will rapidly secure a space in this 21st century ministry culture. It is designed to meet the needs of a plethora of new non-denominational church fellowships that desire their clergy to be trained in the most effective, efficient, and relevant manner possible, utilizing modern technology and cutting-edge methodologies. For more information about the Kingdom Theological Seminary or to enroll in the KTS waiting list for the fall semester, visit us at ktseminary.com. We are training 21st century kingdom leaders like you at the Kingdom Theological Seminary.